Three, two, one, roll the foot. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and their solutions? That's exactly what we do here every day with you. And today we explore how 30% more courage can double your revenue and your happiness. Welcome, everybody. David Wood. Woo! Everybody's excited. David, what are you currently creating? Currently creating a book. I realized that uh, most humans in interactions, and me in particular, there's so many things going on in our head, in our body, uh, that we may not even be aware of. And what I'm trying to do is just relate with you um, without sharing those things. And so you don't really get the real me and you might have things going on as well. Uh, a great example, I think, is when we showed up to this call, you said, how are you doing? And I could have just said, good. And, uh, and we go on, but there was something underneath and that would have created a disconnection. What was underneath is I was pretty charged up because I just had a house meeting with my roommate and it was, you know, there was a lot of emotion there. So I got to say that, name it. You said, shake it out. We shook it out. Boom. We're on the same page. So the book is called name that mouse because the elephant isn't the only animal in the room. The elephant is not the only animal in the room. I love this. Oh, I love this. And I had something similar in my meeting today. The, the sprinters come together. It's Monday, so the Monday meeting, all sprinters come together. We talk all clients' progress. But the very first exercise is always I ask everybody, what was your win of this week? And I write it down. And one of us says, I don't have a crazy win this week. And then he starts listing the wins and they were all beautiful things but they were small things and i said hey that's this is why we do this exercise i don't want us to become numb to the small wins that we have every day and that we deliver every day so let's let's have this gratitude and this awareness that this is happening not just the big numbers and the big things but the everyday moments that are magic everyday moments yeah, that's true. And some of these moments may not feel like magic. Um, you know, if I'm talking to someone and I, I was just talking to a friend last night and at one point he said, you know what, I'm done with this topic. <laughs> he said, it's been like 40 minutes and, and, I, and I'm done with this. Can we talk about something else? Wow. You know, that wasn't an elephant in the room because I didn't see it, but uh, he saw it. And if he hadn't said that, what's going to happen? He's going to feel resentful. He's going to be like, God, this guy just goes on and on and on. I don't want to hang out with him again. But instead he told me, now he told me it wasn't quite artful how he did it. It was a bit sudden. And I, and I, I didn't say anything. And he said, oh, I'm sorry how sudden that was. Um, and it just came on me. I was just like, oh, I noticed I'm done with that. And then we got to talk about that for a few minutes. I said, yeah, I did have a reaction when you did it. But I, now I understand and I'm glad you spoke up. He's like, okay, good. And so we, we were connected about what was really happening instead of trying to connect over uh, mystery and just not knowing what's going on for each other. 
This is what inspired me when I read the, the book by Patrick Lencioni about what makes a team that he said you have to go through conflict. And at that time I was like, oh, I don't want conflict. But you are right. If we don't dare to go into that moment that is a little bit uncomfortable, we will never connect. We will never go forward, right? He said, yeah. I'm done with this. And the connection became more dense and you, and you got together forward. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, there's so many business examples of this, uh, but what's alive for me right now is this roommate situation. It'd, it'd be really easy for me to say, we're just not going to talk. That'd be easy because it was uncomfortable. We sat down there, he shared what's going on for him and I'm feeling contracted in my body. I'm feeling nervous. Uh, it's hard for me to be with someone's anger. It was uncomfortable, unpleasant. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But I feel like we've got to go through that. We've got to go through that. Now, we still don't see eye to eye, but at least he gets that I get what he's feeling and what he's going through. I, I get his world. Um, so we, we have a chance to be more connected and meet on the same page. And then I have found often there is the magic on the other side. Not always, but on the other side, there's like, oh, I, I, I care about you. I, I get what you're going through and oh, okay, you see my world now. Even if we disagree, we get each other's worlds. Um, so yeah, it's not always magic. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna share what's going on in my, in my world and that's gonna create magic. It, it, it might be a little uncomfortable first. And you said, it's hard for me to be with somebody's strong feeling, with somebody's- Anger. Anger. And, uh, and that is a, a, an interesting frame. You say, it's hard for me to stay with somebody's anger, which is not, I'm trying not to have angry people in my life. It's hard for me to stay with him in that space, which changes. That's interesting. I, th I think both are true because it's, so I'm taking responsibility. It's hard for me to be with anger. Um, and because of that, I generally don't choose to have angry people in my life. Now, look, if someone's got emotion and they're owning it, hey, I feel a lot of anger. Uh, I'm going to go beat some pillows and, and handle it. Hey, fine, feel the anger. But if they're feeling a lot of anger and blaming me and wanting to vent, that's, that's hard. Unless, now I know we get, I feel like we're getting really advanced now. If someone sets context, hey, I want to vent for two minutes. Uh, I'm blaming you. I know it's not your fault, but I'm blaming you anyway. I want to vent for two minutes. Can I just yell at you? Would that be okay? We'll set a timer. Oh man. That's a good marriage. I would say, yeah, that's advanced marriage. Yeah. 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 Then, then I'm all about it. I have a friend, um, a friend who's, who's, who would say to his wife, can I, can I be a total jerk for five minutes? and not be conscious and not have to, you know, just blame and, you, you know, all the shadow stuff. And uh, she's like, yep, set a timer. You set have a five timer. minutes, go. <laughs> yeah, and, he can be and he's like, you're a bitch and you're whatever. And she knows that he doesn't fully believe it, but part of him does, and he's just venting. Mm. I love that. Like imagine relationships, if we could just have permission, like you go for it, give me everything you got. I'm gonna breathe through it. Now, our relationships often can't handle that, and that's fine. That's why it's good to get someone else to do that with. So I, I've got a friend staying with me right now. I might say, 
can I vent for three minutes? We'll set a timer. I'm just going to let it all out. And, and you, you let out that charge with someone else, not the person who's involved. Because, you know, they're often going to take it personally. Vent your charge. Then you can go to the person and say, all right, I'm a little bit calmer now. Here's what I want to talk about. Wow, this is so relevant because right now, many of us in, in different countries, we are in lockdown or soon in lockdown again. And this is something you, you can just change because we are angry anyways in intimate relationships. But you, you can change the context by saying, can I be angry for five minutes? And then and then I have my five minutes. You will hold the space. You have your five minutes. I will hold the space. It changes also the the density, right? It becomes more playful. Yeah. And, and, and this is partly why I called the book Name That Mouse, because I want it to be playful. It's like, we know about the elephant. Here's a cute little mouse. And we've, we've written a mini book. Uh, you can't buy, you can't buy the, the full book right now, but there's beautiful illustrations. And we want people to get, wow, I just totally lost the thread. I was answering a question with you and, and then my mind went somewhere else. I don't even know what question I was answering. Oh, I want people to have the language. Hey, can I name a mouse with you? Have you heard that expression? No? Oh, it's like an elephant in the room, but it's just much smaller. It's a much smaller thing. Uh, and then, you know, imagine couples saying, can I name a mouse with you? When you said this thing yesterday, I, I, it didn't feel good with me and I wanted to follow up on it. Um, I want kids to go to parents. Can I name a mouse with you? I'm feeling sad, right? In, in corporations, hey, I just want to name a mouse. Um, I'm tired today and uh, you know you may see it in my in my energy uh, and I'm still here with you guys um, or I want to name a mouse uh, an appreciation mouse you've been doing such a great job Betty and I just want to call it out publicly right they don't have to be negative things my suggest whatever's going on in our own experience that we're not naming we're not bringing out into the field so that we can be relational Powerful stuff right there. And um, so how far are you with the book right now? Well, we wrote the, the, the trailer to give the world a sense of what this is about. And we outlined the whole concept in, in about 15 to 20 pages. And uh, by December, we plan to have this. Well, by January, actually, we plan to have a printed book. And we may be done earlier. We're actually doing a, a Zoom call every week where we interview each other. I'm writing this with a co-author, Shana List. We interview each other about the chapter and bring out all the content and then uh, get it down on paper. Great. And we've also lined up um, Susan Campbell to write the forward. She wrote a book called Getting Real. She's a real authority in the space. And Marshall Goldsmith, who's one of uh, America's top executive coaches, endorsed it. Ivan Meissner from... Business Networking International. He founded that worldwide. He's endorsed it. So we, we, I think we've got our ducks in a row. And we even did a Kickstarter campaign just to see if the world wanted this book. And uh, we hit our funding target. So we're committed. We're in. How did you get people to endorse the book before the book is there? Right. That's a really good question. What we did is we wrote the trailer. So that, like the preview of it. So we did a 15 page. So we've got the, the chapter outline. We've got illustrations of the mice. We, we outline six different mice and we cover people's objections. And then we sent and said, look, this is the upcoming book. 
Rarely do people want to read the whole book if they're going to endorse it. They want to get a sense of the book, make sure the writing's good, make sure the concept's good, right? So that their name isn't attached to something that sucks. But rarely do they want to read the whole book. So I think giving people a summary of it is even better. And they uh, just came back. Also, pro tip, um, most people appreciate a draft or several drafts of, of like different kinds of things that one might say about the book. And then they might say, oh, that's really well written and I agree with it. We're gonna use that. Or they might uh, tweak a few words. When I went to Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup and asked him to write the foreword to my book, the way I pitched it is, you know, I'll, I'll read what you've written, I'll get your voice, uh, I'll, I'll have, um, I'll have a draft written of what I think you might say about this book and you can see what feels true for you. I even went as far as to go and hire his own ghostwriter, the person who writes for him. I said, look, I've written a draft. I want you to put it into his wording so that when he read it, it would feel like him. And um, when he read it, he changed a couple of very minor things and he read through every word and then went, change that, change that, handed it back to me. And I was like, I was like frozen. I, I didn't want to move and like screw something up. I'm like, because I, I, I still thought it was going to fall through. And at some point he wasn't going to do it. And he said, he just handed it back to me. I went, um, are we done? And he, he said, yeah. I said, we're good. He said, yeah. I'm like, woohoo. I got a forward by Jack Canfield. It was so exciting for me. I, I admire him so much. That's a beautiful story. And hopefully also an encouragement for many people to do pre-launches. You don't have to be 100% ready when you go for it. And I am so curious, who do you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors? Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprint.com tools. When everybody zigs, this person is zagging. From your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do you nominate for the strategy award? Well, this is probably not going to be what you expect, and it's not going to be anybody famous. Um, <clears throat> a friend of mine, Stephen de Cordova, was, had a career for years and years in New York City. And one day he said, I'm moving to Los Angeles to pursue a career in acting. We're like, what? You know, and he was like 50 something, maybe even 60. Like you're just dropping everything. You're dropping your life. You're dropping your, your friends over here. You're dropping your apartment, which he loved. It was even in Life Magazine, this apartment. And you are just at the age of 60, you're going to New York to pursue acting. I love that. That guy zigged when uh, everyone else was zagging and just, you know, getting a paycheck and whatever. Uh, in fact, I'm so inspired that I've started talking about moving to Los Angeles in May next year and pursuing a full-time career in acting. And I haven't been doing anything in acting. And then two weeks ago uh, or a week ago, I just went and auditioned for, for something. First thing I've auditioned for in 10, 20 years, audition for a play and audition for an improv troupe. And, uh, and I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, I'm gonna read these lines. And dude, I wanna celebrate this on the call with you. Uh, the play's called Dracula, a uh, little, little unknown play called Dracula. And uh, they offered me the role of Dracula 
in a paid production. Local theatre, not getting paid very much, but I'm just so over the moon. And it's uh, it's all being inspired by Stephen de Cordova, the winner, or I nominate him for the Zigzag Award. Wow, beautiful story and so inspiring. I want to go to LA right now. Super inspiring. And, yeah, all right, uh, right on. <laughs> what are three books that inspire you? Three books. Well, I have one. I will see if I have three. One is Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Now, when I read the book, the book alone didn't change my life, but it gave me a beginning in her work. And then I worked with a coach and um, on Byron Katie's work. And then I was like, I have to go to the nine-day school for the work. I have to. And uh, that absolutely changed my life. Absolutely. So loving what is, is an introduction to her work. Basically, she says, the worst thing that can happen to you is a thought. A thought? That's the yeah. That's the worst thing that can happen. Losing your leg is, is, is not a problem in and of itself. It's what we're believing about that. And that's so powerful for me. Uh, let's see if there's another one that really, oh, you know what? Really impressed by the subtle art of not giving a F. I don't know if we can swear on this podcast. Sure. Um, really impressed by the humor, because I, I find a lot of books dry and I just can't get into them. But this guy, the way he's approaching everything, he says, you've only got so many Fs to give. Are you really going to give one of them on this? Oh, my. So as I'm saying it, that's sinking into my body because I've been you know, tense about this roommate situation. Am I really going to give an F about this? I've got other things in my life. To, to focus on. So that'll be the second book. And I don't have a third one for you right now. Maybe one will come, come, come to me. I don't want to just give out the name of a book. I want to give out the name of something that I really think is going to, going to make it, make it do. Oh, third one, the e-myth, which is short for entrepreneurial myth by Michael Gerber. It's a pretty easy read and it didn't change my thinking about what a business is. It gave me my thinking of what a business is. I didn't understand um, what a business was until I read that. So, and I'm a geek for structure. I'm a geek for systems. I'm a geek for patterns. And if you're going to run a business, you're going to want to have an, have an eye on that. And, and that book will help you out. Beautiful. And your main CEO tip is about courage. If we just get 30% more courageous, a lot happens. Can you unpack that? Yeah. A lot of times in my life, I wasn't courageous. Like in school, I didn't stand up to the bullies. You know, I wish that just once in front of everyone, I'd stood up to a bully, punched him on the nose and taken a beating. Just once. I've regretted to this day that I didn't do that. I didn't ask out the girls that I was attracted to. I was scared that, that they'd say no. So regret is a powerful motivator. And I don't want anyone to be on their deathbed and say, if only I'd spoken up. If only I'd had those tough conversations. If only I'd asked that celebrity to endorse my book. If only I'd gone and spoken on that stage. If only I'd followed my dream to move to LA and pursue acting. I don't want you to have that regret. So. My question is, what could you do now? What could you do in the next month or the next year that would have you feel proud 
on your deathbed, the have you say I'm living my life. And one way to get access to that, because you know, I realize it's hard, like, well, where is that in my brain? Right at the top of a piece of paper, if I was fearless, what would I do? I'm not saying you have to do it all, so don't, don't freak out. But if I was fearless in business, in relationship, in life, what would I say? What would I do? What would I ask for? That takes courage. This roommate situation, which is so alive for me right now, it took a lot of courage to say, can we have a house meeting and talk about this stuff? It took courage for me to sit through the meeting. It took courage for me to say, this isn't working out. I think, I think you should find somewhere else. It takes courage for me to say, I want to keep it to 30 days. I don't want to go longer than 30 days, right? Because he's angry with that. It takes courage and took courage to say, why don't we do a second meeting? Because we've got a lot of charge on this and, you know, it's really sorted out. It's scared. I feel it right now. I, my heart's beating and if I feel fear in my chest. It takes courage. But often all the goodies, all the rewards are on the other side of that discomfort. And I say 30% because I'm not saying go crazy. You don't have to go and jump off a mountain in Tibet with a paraglider strapped to your back. You don't have to walk over hot coals. You don't have to do anything on the list. But let's just start with awareness. What would my edge look like? And then you might circle two or three things and say, all right, if I was 30% more courageous, which of these things on the list would I do? If you really want to get into it, get a coach. Get a coach. Get someone who can hold you accountable and help you see your blind spots and say, hey, I think this is your edge. What do you think? You want to ride that? That's, that's my opinion. Beautiful. And you know, this is how I started writing my book. Uh, the, my wife told me that 10 years ago, I wanted to write a book and I was buying these books, how to write a book, how to write a book, how to start writing a book, and then never started. And, and then many years later, I've created a template for me for how I create the flow of my day. This is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then there are two questions that I ask myself every evening when I close work and, and uh, design the next day. There are two questions for me there. One is, uh, which one of these tasks can tomorrow somebody else do better than you, Simon? And the other question is, if I would live more freely and intentionally, what would I do? And so every evening I was asking myself this question and I saw writing a book, writing a book, writing a book. And it was reminding me, like somebody is reminding you, hey, come on, get onto that bully. Come on, do it. Come on. So I saw it three times, write that fucking book, Simon. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. So I put it into my calendar, start writing a book for one hour on the next day. And that's how everything got started. I love that. I think we're creatures of habit. We, we get in our patterns and it sounds like what you did is you, you created a hack to uh, get you out of that pattern or get you out of that orbit, right? We're all in certain orbits and we want to get into higher orbits, but what's going to break us out? It had me think of, um, I have a self-coaching form that I use with all my clients and I say, fill this in, coach yourself before we get on the call. Right? Do what, everything you can do, and then I'll read it and we'll build on that. And one of the questions is, and this might be a little scary for some people, but if, you want, if, you're, if you're feeling bold, you could ask yourself this each day or once a week. If I was fearless, what would I do this week? That's one question. Here's an easier one that I think is a little gentler 
on the system. If I were to dream bigger this week, what would that look like? Is this a good, you know, one, one guy wrote to me and said that question made such a difference in my life. Every week I had to ask that question and answer it for, for me and for you. So hacks, hacks to, to get into our discomfort zone, not too uncomfortable, something you can handle and, uh, and be 30% more courageous. And I do firmly believe that this will impact your income. You, you just stay comfortable. You're in the zone that everyone else is in. Right, that's not where the profits lie. It's it's practicing deliberate discomfort. I believe it leads to more connection, more self-expression, more confidence, more money, and more influence. There's so many goodies that lie on the other side, and I acknowledge that it's not easy. Practice deliberate discomfort. So it's a practice. You do it intentionally and it does not feel good. Can we dive deeper there? It does not feel good, but something in us says, hey, th th this is your bigger dream. Th this is you, is you, let it out. What, what is it? Why doesn't it feel good? Yeah, it, well, it could be this is my dream or it could be this is something I got to handle in my life, right? It could be a tough conversation. You might have to fire somebody. Um, I, I feel uh, like, like a buzzing in my chest um, right now because I still have some after, after effects of that, that meeting. That's not even about a dream. That's just I need to handle something. Um, and if we think, if we live like, no, I need to always be comfortable, hmm. again, we're risking that regret on the deathbed. Now, what, here's what a lot of us think. This is what the mind says. Oh, I don't want to have that tough conversation or I don't want to go and, and confront that bully or I don't want to ask that person out or whatever because it's going to be uncomfortable. Well, you know what? The comfort zone gets pretty uncomfortable over time. Mm. And um, we're paying anyway. So with this roommate situation, if I don't have the conversation, I'm going to pay in a smaller way over time. I'm going to be uncomfortable with what I'm not expressing and you know what he's not expressing and whatever we pay anyway. We don't always factor in that cost. We just think, oh, that, that conversation is going to be uncomfortable. Don't pay slowly over time. It ends up adding up to a higher cost. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a, let's rip that bandaid off. Let's go and be truthful. Let's be courageous and, and let's be kind, be courageous and kind. And I think, Paying up front is better than paying slowly over time in many cases. Let's talk about self-love and comfort zone, because on one side, how can we be kind to ourselves? And uh, on the other side, being just in the comfort zone all the time is not long term really loving to ourselves. So how? How to balance this? Um, I was I was talking today to my cousin because we will be four weeks on vacation at the beach. And so usually we, we do exercises together. So I call him, hey, Salvatore, when will we do sports? And, uh, and he says, Simon, not in the morning. Come on, be nice to yourself. You don't have to, to run 10 kilometers before breakfast. It's holidays. And I go like, well, but that's exactly what I'd like to do. <laughs> 
that's exactly what I'd like to do because holidays, I want to live them fully. I don't want to be comfortable all the time. We will be in the water and playing in canoe anyways for 10 hours later. In the morning, I want to eat that frog. I want to do my 10 kilometers, whatever happens very early because it, that's my true nature. And that's what I that's that's what nurtures my soul and my body. Um, you could look at this from the outside and say, yeah, but this you are inflicting pain on yourself. Come on, relax. <laughs> so where is where does self-love begin and end? And, and where is this deliberate uh, oh. step coming in? I love that question. I feel like there's a there's a sweet spot. There's a there's a place where we're stagnant and bored and we're not taking any risks. And uh, there aren't, there might be rewards there. For some people, you might be in bliss. Okay, if you're living in bliss, that's great. But if you're wanting more in your life, um, we want to go out of that comfort zone, that really comfy, cruisy spot into the edge area, the edgy zone, right? That's the courage zone. What we don't want is to go too far so that it's traumatizing. We don't want to go and have a conversation if we don't have the resources for it. If we're like, you know, I think this person is going to yell at me and I can't handle that. Maybe we don't do that. That could be traumatizing. I didn't know this when I was younger. I was the spiritual warrior. I'm like, I need to have every experience and just put myself into the fire and I'm going to get enlightened that way. Well, it didn't work out very well sometimes. Sometimes it did and I had huge growth. Um, but I'll give you an example. Uh, I, uh, I, I get jealous like most humans if, if my partner's dating someone else. And I was like, wonder if I could conquer that. I wonder if I could open up and feel my heart and just love someone and try polyamory where you're dating more than one person and everything's in the open, nothing's hidden. I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to try. I'm going to lean into that fear doesn't work for me. My system can't handle it. I've got abandonment issues. Now, I didn't, I didn't realize all that. I just throw myself into it. And then uh, one day I stopped sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I was getting anxious during the day. And then I ended up in depression. So now I have a healthy respect for the body, for the nervous system, and I have more humility. And I've realized no one has to confront any of their fears. You can stay in the comfort zone all your life and that's a valid choice. Or you could choose things that you're ready for, which is going into the edge zone, uh, deliberate discomfort. You have to decide what would be too far. And a friend of mine once said, you don't have to face that now. You don't have to face that ever if you're not ready. And I was so relieved. He said, yeah, it's, it's like it's candled. We light a candle. We set it aside on the shelf and it's there if we ever want to go and address it. And maybe we don't, or maybe in five years we'll be ready. And that was an amazing reframe. So now I try to practice self-love and work out what's my edge and what's too much. And an example of quick example of too much. I just got accepted to this play and I got accepted to this playback theater troupe. And I wanted to try and do both. You know what? Seven days a week rehearsal, too much. 
maybe I could get it down to five days a week. It's still a lot. So now I'm like, I want to challenge myself. I want to grow. I want to be courageous. And I may end up saying no to one of these things because I want to practice self-care and say, let's nurture David as well. Beautiful. This is the line to find, right? And in order to, know, to find that line, we have, we have to know a little bit about ourselves, who we are and how much we can handle right now, right? And, uh, and how, when we want to face things. Beautiful. So where can people, if people resonate with this and say, wow, I want to be coached by David, where can they find you? Where do you hang out? Oh, thank you. You can find me at, well, you can go to namethatmouse.com. That'll, that'll take you to the Name That Mouse page if you're interested in uh, either pre-ordering the book or, or buying the mini book. Um, also, there's navigation on that page if you're interested in coaching. I coach business owners who are already up and running, you're already successful, and you know you're still leaving money on the table. You want to be more organized and you want to be more extraordinary. I don't just work on the business, I work on you. Whatever, however you want to grow, I want to help you with that. That's what really lights me up. Maybe you want to do a bunch of mouse naming in your life. Maybe you want to be more courageous. You can click on the coaching link and uh, apply for a, a 15 minute call with me. We'll dive into it and see if coaching would actually make sense for you. So name that mouse.com. That'll take you to my, to my site as well. Beautiful. And David, who should be my next guest? Someone I really respect and I think would be a great guest is the founder of Business Networking International Worldwide, Ivan Meissner. He'd be he'd be a great he'd be uh, a great guest. He he understands business and he's deep and understands people as well. So he's going to be able to give you what I would call a more spiritual expanded view as well. And I, I value both of those things together. You know who you're being and how your business is going. So I, I think he'd be a great guest. Thank you so much, David, for being on the show, sharing your journey, your wisdom with us. Please come back soon. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate the questions and the depth. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.